Hello, and welcome to a special mini-episode of Coaster Kings Radio. I'm Ian O'Donnell. These mini-episodes will be around 10 minutes and cover a wide range of topics with discussions and conversations led by various team members. I'm excited to be kicking off this new format with the first episode in my series, Lost Coasters of California. The Golden State has long had a reputation as one of the recreation capitals of the world. Beautiful weather, combined with a diverse landscape, create an environment where leisure is serious business. It is no surprise that California is home to some of the world's most famous roller coasters. Unfortunately, many of these great rides are no longer part of the California coaster landscape. In this series, we will be exploring some of California's great coasters that are no more. I want to clarify that I'll be looking at coasters that have opened after 1970 in this series, but California has many, many more coasters from the golden age that are no longer with us. Perhaps maybe I'll do another series that discusses the lost coasters of California's golden age. Let's begin this series with one of the most important coasters ever built, Corkscrew. Manufactured by Aero Development in Mountain View and opening at Knott's Berry Farm, Corkscrew is a Californian product through and through. Aero Development's contributions to Disneyland on its opening day, including things like the Dumbo Ride and the Mad Tea Party, are very well documented and well known, and they were so successful that it led to a collaboration with Disney. This collaboration reached new heights, quite literally, in 1959 with the Matterhorn bobsleds. With the Matterhorn, Arrow introduced the world to tubular steel coaster track. And this design would reappear in 1963, when Arrow was contracted by Six Flags Over Texas to build their first runaway mine train. This model was a huge hit, resulting in installations at parks throughout the country and eventually the world. As they continued to develop this mine train track, Arrow also experimented with it and its design. Some experimentations that actually you can still see today include Magic Mountain's 1971 mine train, Gold Rusher. This mine train features two larger tubular spines that support the rest of the track above it. A ride that's no longer with us, 1972's Dexter Frebish's Electric Roller Ride, eventually renamed Excalibur, which opened in Astroworld in Texas, was an 88-foot-tall mine train that utilized square beams to support the track above it. The design that seems to have eventually won out for Arrow was the integration of a large tubular central spine to reinforce the two tracks above it. With this modification, the iconic Arrow track design, and of course eventually the track design seen on many other coaster manufacturers, was born. Of course, the traditional mine train track design never really went anywhere, and you can see it on coasters all the way up to 1995's Train de la Mina at Porta Aventura. While the tubular steel track with the central spine was used for specific sections of coasters, large helices, and etc. before, the first applications of the central spine track throughout the entire coaster can be seen in 1974, with Hershey Park's Trailblazer and Great Adventure's Runaway Mine Train. This track design allows for the use of streamlined steel supports and for the creation of larger ride elements. Slowly as Arrow became more comfortable with manipulating their steel track work, the process began on reintroducing the world to inversions. 
The corkscrew took a few years to develop, but much of the basic design is rooted in what Arrow had learned from the Matterhorn and the various mine trains. The layout of the ride remains one of the simplest ever conceived. The ride begins with a small dip. I like to note that Arrow is notorious for having never adopted drive tires to get their coaster trains in and out of a station, so it was always just a little dip and using gravity, which gravity is free, why not? And after that dip out of the station, there was a right-hand turnaround and a climb up a 70-foot chain lift hill. The six-car trains then navigate a banked right-hand turn into a 62-foot drop, reaching a top speed of 46 miles per hour. It's actually been said that the Mountain View-based Arrow didn't look very far when designing the corkscrew's first drop. It shares very similar profiling um, from Santa Cruz's Giant Dipper, located at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. After the initial drop, a small incline leads to a sweeping right-hand turn that drops into two back-to-back corkscrews, and then finally a right-hand turn into the brake run. This short layout was really constructed as a proof of concept at the Aeroplan in Mountain View, but when the Knotts family visited, they were so impressed that they bought the prototype itself and moved it to Knotts Berry Farm for the 1975 season. The ride was a big hit and became a Southern California icon. Despite its short length, the ride's combination of airtime and double inversions provided a lot of thrills in a small footprint. And it's worth noting that at this time, we kind of think of, oh, 70 feet, it's not that tall. This was still a pretty significantly sized roller coaster, too. The corkscrew layout would be replicated 10 times by Arrow, starting with the Chicago Loop at Old Chicago, which is this fascinating short-lived indoor amusement park um, located on the outside of outskirts of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and also, coincidentally, the Chicago Loop became the first indoor looping roller coaster. And Wabash Cannonball at Opryland, which also opened in 1975. The corkscrew model will continue to be produced into the 80s, with the last installation in 1982 at Callaway Park in Alberta, Canada. It also became the basis of Arrow's line of loop plus corkscrews, coasters, and of course Arrow's famous custom looping coasters, which would be produced by the company through its remaining years in business. Unfortunately, Corkscrew's time in California came to an end in 1989. Like many other rides at Knott's, it fell victim to the fact that Knott's Berry Farm just doesn't have that much room to expand. It was replaced with Vacoma Boomerang, named, well, Boomerang. And although the move at the time was decried by many locals and continues to be kind of decried by enthusiasts, it's kind of fitting that the definitive looping coaster kind of production model of the 1970s and 80s was replaced by the kind of definitive looping coaster model of the 80s and 90s. Maybe Hangtime will get clone siblings across the globe. Only time will tell. So Corkscrew lives on at Silverwood Park, but its departure robbed California of an important piece of both American and Californian history. Arrow would soon move its production facility to Utah, and with the acquisition of Morgan by Chance Rides in 2001, California is no longer home to any major roller coaster manufacturer. Although no longer in California, we are very lucky that Silverwood remains committed to taking care of this historic ride, as many of the other rides we look at on this series will not have such a happy fate. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this mini episode, please leave a comment and rating wherever you are listening. That really helps us out. 
This series is a companion to a series of articles that I've written that are being released on thecoasterkings.com. You can find interesting articles, exclusive park and industry updates, and a range of theme park-related merchandise at thecoasterkings.com. For Coaster Kings Radio, this is Ian O'Donnell. Join me next week as I travel up the coast to Santa Clara and discover another lost coaster of California.